0: Is John MacArthur a heretic? All this and more coming up on the One Sheet Podcast. Welcome to the One Sheet Podcast. I'm Frank, your host. In today's episode, we'll examine what was said by Pastor John MacArthur. If you're not familiar with John MacArthur, he's the head of a $12 million mega church called Grace to You. John's been featured on programs such as Larry King Live and countless other talk show programs for many years. The span of John's ministry career has been spent on biblical exposition to the extent that he even produced a John MacArthur study Bible. So it breaks my heart to do this episode as I used to enjoy John's expositions when I was deployed to Iraq and hungry for spiritual food in the desert. I used to listen intently, so does with a heavy heart, in a Biblical scalpel, that we will dissect what Mr. MacArthur has said, and determine if John MacArthur is indeed a heretic. Alright, let's get right into it. Let's hear from John MacArthur in his own words
1: first. In regard to the, about a half of the tribulation period, when when men would be required to have the mark of the beast in order to buy herself, my question is, uh, once a person takes the mark, is there any possibility of him coming to Christ? Yes, uh, I think, you know, in in the seven-year tribulation coming in the future, we're going to get into this probably a week from Sunday night, maybe this Sunday night, maybe a week, I'm not sure. But um, the tribulation is a seven-year period, right? The rapture of the church, seven-year tribulation, then Christ returns, sets up his kingdom. Now, in that seven-year period, really two things happen. God begins to judge the world with a series of holocausts, and at the same time, he begins to redeem his people, Israel. And in the process of this, The Antichrist establishes his rule, and in order to function in the economy of the Antichrist, you have to take the mark of the beast. Now, the question is, if you're living in the tribulation period, and you take this mark, in other words, you identify with the beast's empire, will you still be able to be redeemed? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yes, otherwise there would be no salvation of anybody in the end of the tribulation. So I don't think the fact that someone takes that is a sentence to it, to permanency, any more than you being a part of this world system once in your life means you have to be a part of the system all your life.
0: So let's dive into some feedback on the web. Well, more specifically, grace 2 Use blog. Let's look at a rebuttal posted by Phil Johnson, one of Grace2U's fellow megachurch pastors. Wednesday, October 30th, 2013. I know, this is old, but John MacArthur's still running around and people are still idolizing him. Several years ago, in a live Q&A session, someone asked John MacArthur if taking the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation would be an unpardonable sin. His answer, in short, was no. Though there is a stern warning against taking the mark of the beast in Revelation 14. The sin is not categorically said to be unpardonable. That would contradict Matthew 12, verse 31. The point of the severe language in Revelation 14 is to make clear what an utterly reprehensible sin it will be to swear an oath of willful loyalty to the Antichrist. Someone posted John MacArthur's reply to that question on YouTube with a melodramatic one-word title in all caps, Outrage. Gossip mongers on the internet got hold of it, apparently, and... Within days, someone wrote to our ministry saying, I saw Pastor John on a YouTube video saying the way to be saved in the tribulation is to take the mark of the beast. Well, no. If someone listens to Pastor MacArthur's reply and imagine he was saying it's no great sin to receive the mark of the beast, listen again. That grossly twists what he actually said. The question is not, as one writer suggests, how far can you go and still be able to repent? The point John MacArthur was making is about the extremes to which God's grace will reach in order to seek and save a sinner. Yes, Revelation 14 verses 9 through 11 says, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Clearly receiving the mark is a sin that will send those who commit it to hell. But the Bible also says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor homosexuals nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god first corinthians six verses nine through ten in short all sin carries the threat of eternal doom and some particularly heinous sins have built-in hardening effect that makes them particularly dangerous scripture occasionally singles out common sins that have this peculiarly soul-destroying effect on the other hand only one very specific sin is ever said to be unforgivable any sin that is repented of is forgivable immediately after declaring all fornicators drunkards and swindlers unfit for heaven the apostle writes such were some of you but you were washed but you were sanctified but you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and in the spirit of our god first corinthians 6 verses 11 after saying whoever denies me before men after saying Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus famously forgave Peter, who denied him before men. Jesus himself said, Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven, Matthew 12, 31 emphasis added. The one unpardonable sin was the sin of those who had seen his miracles with their own eyes they knew he was the true messiah they were part of the generation to whom he was personally sent and yet they attributed his powers to satan that was unforgivable because it was such a hard-hearted willful expression of utter rejection from fully enlightened hearts who punctuated their rejection with an extreme blasphemy those pharisees had stood in the presence of the living embodiment of all truth They heard his words and saw his works. All the mysteries of Christ had been unveiled before their very eyes, and yet they spurned him. There was nothing else that could be shown to them to enlighten them further. They were not deceived. They knew full well what they were doing. That's why their sin was unpardonable. 1 Timothy, verse 13, Revelation 19:20 indicates that multitudes will take the mark of the beast because they are deceived. Scripture does not say that they are thereby automatically hardened forever against repentance. That is not the point of the strong warnings. The whole issue suddenly became a matter of intense controversy when it was mentioned on a provocative radio program. It's certainly not worth all the ink that has been wasted and all the bandwidth that has been consumed by angry people demanding explanations and retractions. This much certainly should be clear from the biblical text and I think would be affirmed by all sides. Taking the mark of the beast is high treason against Christ and will be judged by God accordingly. Meanwhile, the Lord is good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon him. Psalm 86.5 As part of his plan to enforce the worship of Antichrist, the false prophet will require all categories of unbelievers, summarized as the small and great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. Mark, or karagma from karasso, I engrave was the term for images or names of the Emperor on Roman coins. In the ancient world, such marks, tattoos or brands were commonly given to slaves, soldiers and devotees of religious cults. God sealed with a mark on the forehead the 144,000 to preserve them from his wrath against the unbelieving world. The false prophet marks the unsaved to preserve them from the Antichrist's wrath against God's people. The mark will signify the person bearing it is a worshipper and loyal follower of the Antichrist. In much the same way, the Roman emperors required their subjects to prove their loyalty by offering sacrifices to Caesar. Those who refused, like those who refused to take the Antichrist mark, were subject to execution. That was Phil Johnson from Grace to You. And it sounds like he's really, he's really tap dancing. I really don't get it. In my opinion, what he said was, it goes against scripture. If an angel says not to take the mark. You don't tell people, especially if you have a million eyeballs on you at all times, whenever you preach, you don't tell people, yeah, I think he knows you've got to eat. So I don't think it's an unpardonable sin. When the Bible clearly says, if you take the mark, you will be cast into the lake of fire with the devil and the false prophet. So one of the guys that I read, I can't remember his name now, Anyway, he says, my initial response, Johnson's thesis was paraphrased. If you are deceived into taking the mark of the beast, you can still come to the truth and be saved because it doesn't compare exactly to the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit passage. Being deceived is not the same as knowingly going against God. But doesn't God send deception as final judgment as well? 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9-12 Doesn't that chapter deal with the end times where God clearly sends a strong delusion as punishment resulting in eternal damnation? Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Here God sends deception as judgment, where damnation follows punishment. And what about Revelation 19.20? Where it says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. It doesn't say, With which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and had not repented. Or what about Revelation 20 verse 4? And I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. If Phil Johnson thinks the best way to start out a defense of this particular teaching by labeling those who call grace to you out gossip mongers on the internet well he did not do his research very well the controversy is not people on youtube calling out grace to you on this very important matter the controversy is that these gossip mongers were critical and for that they get the previous mentioned label the controversy is the insufficient defense in this blog post of the 1980 q a teaching controversy is a later John MacArthur teaching in 1993 where John teaches the opposite and that both teachings are downloadable. Being deceived is sometimes one's own fault. For instance, by not obeying Matthew 24 4, but it can also be an eternal punishment from God. But what do I know? I'm just another layman with a Bible and an internet connection. Okay, let me say this before I forget. How does John MacArthur know that no one will be mark-free and get saved during the time of the tribulation. I mean, millions like myself are jab-free right now. So why is it so hard to believe that some might escape the mark during that time frame? Or what if overcoming the mark means losing your head to a guillotine because you said, no, I will not renounce Jesus Christ and take your mark? Maybe the innumerable number will choose death over the mark. As scary as that is, try to remember the Antichrist hates Jesus and all who follow him. Remember this passage in Matthew 10, verse 39. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I have to say, I find it odd that a man who has spent most of his adult life expositing the Bible should express such an opinion from the pulpit, or that a fellow pastor from his mega church should be the one doing damage control for John MacArthur. Most church attendees take whatever is said from the pulpit to heart. Let's be honest here. Most people are sleepy and kind of zoned out from time to time, depending on how long the service is and how early it started. They are fighting off the Z monster. They are tired. Let me put it to you another way. If I said to you, I bet you $10 I can stick out my tongue and touch my ear. What did I just say to you? Did I say I could touch my ear with my tongue? No, I did not. If you envision that in your mind, you assumed what I said and therefore misunderstood me. I said for $10 I can stick out my tongue and touch my ear which I would do by sticking out my tongue and then touching my ear with my finger, illustrating what I said and then meant by it. My point is, when you give your opinion from the pulpit, you have no idea how it will be interpreted by a sleepy, zoned-out audience. So your opinion should always be in alignment with the scriptures. What did Jesus say in Luke 11.23? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So, one should therefore be mindful of one's opinion, pulpit or no pulpit, because you obviously do not want to be scattering, but gathering potential Christians, bearing fruit, right? Try to remember one thing. The Bible is authored by the Holy Spirit, and if an angel tells you not to do something, you can bet it is coming from God's own lips. Whether or not John MacArthur is a heretic is really of no consequence. I don't follow the man anymore. I don't hear anything he says. I don't watch any YouTube videos of him. As far as I'm concerned, when you say something that contradict scripture especially to an extremely large audience in my opinion you're a heretic and i want nothing more to do with you i try and follow the guidance of the holy spirit let him be my compass let him direct my life my my steps let him tell me who to witness to because only he knows the heart like it or not you and i cannot change the ending of the bible if you are to strive to enter in at the straight gate you must first hear and then respond to the gospel That is, get saved. If you're not saved, please check out the One sheet Podcast episode titled, What Must I Do to Be Saved? The information in that podcast comes straight from the scriptures. If we are to be saved, we need to be saved the way the people have always been saved, and that is found in the scriptures. Someone once said, you cannot complete a thousand mile journey without taking your first step. Please take your first step by hearing the gospel message, What Must I Do to Be Saved, on the One Sheep Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. And may you take comfort in these words. Everybody is going to die, but what you choose to die for makes all the difference in how you live.